Welcome to the Family Life Church Podcast. We hope you're blessed and encouraged to share this with someone you know. Subscribe or visit thefamilylife.org for more information. Amen. In the book of 1 Samuel, the 22nd chapter in the 6th verse, and then we will move to the book of Hebrews to the 12th chapter and the 1st verse. When Saul heard that David was discovered and the men that were with him, now Saul abode in Gibeah under a tree in Ramah, having his spear in his hand, and all his servants were standing about him. Now Hebrews 12, 1. Wherefore seeing, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Everybody say every weight. Every weight. And the sin. Everybody say and the, sin. and the sin. Which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now walk with me for a moment in the word as we talk about the weight that becomes the sin. The weight that becomes the sin. Father, I love you and I thank you so much for your good, great, and wonderful grace. <clears throat> and I pray that you would speak to us today. Anoint every one of us, anoint our minds and our hearts and our lives. And I pray your sweet peace would be in this house today for someone that is in trouble and turmoil and someone, God, that has carried something far too long. And so, Lord, I pray that there would be the delivering power of your, of your word, of your name, of your blood. And I thank you, God. I pray anoint me and anoint this people today. And we love you and we trust you. I pray that souls would be saved in Jesus' name. Would you be kind to two people nearby? and smile at them and see something nice about them and just let them know that you love them. So glad for everybody that's here. Israel cried for a king and God in his sovereign way and will heard and answered their cry. He answered their petition knowing full well that it was really himself that they were longing and looking for. Little is known Little is known of Saul of Kish, the first and failed king of Israel. He enters the pages of, of the word from somewhat of a place of obscurity. He was the son of Kish. The word said of, of Kish that it called him a, a mighty man of power of, of the tribe of Benjamin. Saul was, he was a choice young man, goodly, the word said. As a matter of fact, none more goodlier, that was the exact wording, none more goodlier than him. In 1 Samuel. He physically stood head and shoulders above all the rest, <clears throat> stature <clears throat> and strength, none like him. He was obedient to his father's command when the mules were lost. He was told by Kish to go and to find them and search for them, and that he did. There was nothing, there was nothing in his pedigree or past that would give pause or question as to what a king would seem to be. But somewhere, somewhere in the journey, somewhere in the journey from the pasture to the palace, something changed. Something must have got in his heart. Something must have uh, become embedded in his mind. He, he couldn't let go of it, and in time, it, it would not let go of him. It was revealed to be a, a repeated pattern in the life of Saul and his leading, a spear. 
a javelin. It seemed to be the thing that he was always holding to, never never far from his side, always within reach. Look at it here in various places within the Old Testament. So it came to pass in the day of battle in 1 Samuel 13, 22, that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan, but with Saul and Jonathan, his son was there found. 1 Samuel 26, 7. So David and Abishai came to the people by night and behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench and his spear stuck in the ground at his bolster. But Abner and the people lay round about him. 1 Samuel 19, 9 through 10. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul. And he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand and David played with his hand. And Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin or the spear. But he slipped away out of the out of Saul's presence and he smote the javelin into the wall and David fled and escaped that night. 1 Samuel 20, 33. And Saul cast a javelin at him, Jonathan, his son, in other words, to smite him, whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. Wherever Saul was found, so was the spear. Wherever he was, it was nearby his side, the weapon, the thing that, that would destroy. The argument could be made that it was just the way of a warrior, a necessary tool of, uh, of the trade, a means to defend a friend or family and defeat the foe that was a constant threat, a justifiable necessity. It may have started as somewhat justified, but somewhere, somewhere along the way, it became more than that. It became his identity. The spear became his identity. The thing that he would use to, de- to try to destroy others, but in time, ultimately, and you look on later in the word, would be the thing that would destroy himself. He sat in Ramah under a tree with all his servants standing around him with spear in hand, pursuing David, the one that was the will of God. He sat with his men, his people around him, pursuing the will of God. Not in a positive sense, but in the negative to destroy it. Look at this, if you would, please. When Saul heard that David was discovered, when he heard that he was discovered and the men that were with him, now Saul abode in Gibeah under a tree in Ramah, having his spear in his hand and all his servants were standing about him. Then Saul said unto his servants that stood about him, hear now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds, that all of you, all of you have conspired against me and there is none that showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse. And there is none of you that is sorry for me or showeth unto me that my son hath stirred up my servant against me to be in wait as it is this day. Spear in hand, Spear in hand, he asked them, where is David? Is David going to give you what I can? Is he going to give you fields? Is he going to give you vineyards? Will he make you captains? Will he make you leaders? And all, have all of you, Saul said, have all of you conspired against me? Even my son has made a league with this David and none of you is sorry for me. Nobody feels sorry for me. That's what he was saying. Nobody feels sorry for me. 
and all the while holding on to the spear with the grip of death. The thing that should have defended him, the thing that should have defended him and those around him had become the thing that was defeating him. You understand this today? It can be the weights that, that we carry that become the sins that beset us. Somewhere in the transition of the weight that we carry that might be seemingly justified in the beginning becomes, transfers to become the weight to the sin that besets us. The thing or the things in our heart and life that keep us from the will of God at work in and through us. Those weights. And we like Saul, we learn. Our flesh is easily taught. Everybody hear me right now. We learn how to throw a javelin at a David. We learn how to throw something at the will of God, the word of God. Because we have our opinions and we have our thoughts and we have our likes and we have our dislikes. And so we learn through the process of time by the accommodating of the flesh, how to throw a spear at the thing of God or the will of God or even the word of God. Our flesh learns the aim. It targets the things that we do not want or that we don't like. David, David, played and Saul got mad. You understand this? David was playing there before him and Saul got mad. We find fault with the melody of the spirit that God's trying to lead us with. We become critical at the things that God is trying to cause us to come in tune with. We throw the spear, the javelin at the thing that God commands us to do or needs us to do so that the will of God can be accomplished in our life as well. We take aim at it with a greed and with a difficulty and with a sinister look and we throw the spear. And the more that we keep throwing the spear, the better and more deadly the aim of the hurt becomes. The more that we practice it, the more that we entertain it, the more that we grasp it, the more that it grips us, the better we get at it, the more accurate our aim. No doubt it did not start that way, it was not intended, but the more it was allowed and entertained, the more weight it became in his heart. Nobody. Nobody wakes up, no, nobody wakes up one day and says, you know what, I, I, you know what, I think I am just going to grow bitter. Nobody, nobody wakes up and says, you know what, I think for the rest of my life I'm just going to stay mad and angry at everybody and everything and find fault with anything that I can find in my path. And nobody, nobody just wakes up one day and says, you know, I'm just going to stop forgiving. I'm no longer going to allow it. I'm going to find fault and just not forgive. Just be grouchy and critical and see what's wrong instead of seeing what's right. Nobody does that intentionally. No, it's, it's the slow, gradual decline of path that becomes the comfortable and accommodating way that we live. We entertain the thought. We entertain the feeling. We allow a day go by that we don't seek forgiveness or give forgiveness and in time, that small seed of bitterness begins to grow and that root takes plant and thereby it begins to defile many. Because that's the way it is when we take up spears and we're constantly trying to throw it at things. Yeah, we become, we become used to being that way. Unforgiveness almost becomes natural. We become justified in it. Everybody say amen. You're a little quiet today. Is it my voice? It's got you off. Come on. Um, uh, we, we, we become comfortable with, with it. We, it's just natural to us. We're just, we just feel like it's just the way it should be that we can, we can, we're right and they're wrong. I'm right and everybody else is wrong. Isn't that the truth? If everybody would just understand that my opinion is the right opinion, then everything would be okay. Um, if everybody would just agree with me, we could all just be so much better, couldn't we? The sin becomes the second nature. The words are more easily said each time. The thoughts in the mind are entertained and they're accepted and they find root. 
They find a groove to get in. Compromise after compromise becomes commonplace. And suddenly we can't seem to put the spear down. We just can't put the spear down anymore because it's just, it's, it's just grooved in our grip. You following what I'm saying here? It's just there and we can't get away from it and we just can't let it go because if we let it go, then we might have to admit we're wrong. If we let it go, we might have to go to that altar and in fact repent about it. If we let it go, we might have to pick up the phone and make the call. It used to be uh, that we had to get home and dial the rotary phone. It's not that way anymore. You can just pick it up while you're driving down the road. But no, we, we, don't, we don't pick it up. We don't make the call. We don't say we're sorry. We don't seek forgiveness. We don't accept forgiveness. Compromise after compromise becomes the commonplace. And suddenly we just can't seem to put the spear down. Lay aside, lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset you. The weight does not have to become the sin. Everybody hearing this right now? God help us. The weight does not have to become the sin. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be that in your life. Lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily. It, it may have its sway, understand? The, the sin, or excuse me, the weight may have its sway, but it does not have to become the thing that stops us. We simply have to lay it down. I recognize there's not much fancy about, nothing fancy about that. I recognize it's not profound or some prophetic utterance, although I'm preaching the word today, which is prophecy. Uh, and, and so can I tell you in this gospel of Jesus Christ, sometimes the simplicity of the gospel is you just need to put it down. That's right. There's, it's not a chill bump running up and down your spine. It's not some uh, phenomenal thing that you heard out of the word. It's just you got to make up your mind. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to be unforgiving. I'm not going to have the sin anymore in my life. I'm not going to choose that path. I'm not going to think that about them. I'm not going to talk that way. I'm not going to do that anymore. Come on. I'm going to lay aside that weight. Forgive somebody and move on. I want to shout it as loud as I can today. Forgive and move on. Amen. Forgive and move on. Let the blood cover the hurt. Walk away from the thing that keeps defeating you and let God's will be done through it. There are backsliders, countless backsliders in this community today. And the reason why they're not gracing the pew is because either one, they cannot forgive or two, they have not been forgiven by other members. We have watched them make the walk, long walk down an aisle weary and we have judged them while they walked when what it should have been, we were stepping out of the pew with them and making the journey to the altar ourselves in forgiveness. Why? Because he is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Forgive and move on. Let the blood cover that hurt. There was another place in the word where a man stood with a staff in his hand and God asked him what he was holding. And Moses replied with an honest answer, a staff, a stick. He had left the scepter of Egypt behind and now he was holding to a staff, a shepherd's rod. The omniscient God knew what he was holding, but he wanted Moses to know what he needed to do with what he was holding. Look at this in Exodus. And the Lord said unto him, what is that in thine hand? He knew. And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. Before God could use the thing that Moses was holding or maybe even the thing that was holding him, he first had to lay it down before him. If you would, please. Look at this. God can only use through us 
what we are willing to let go of in us. Just on the other side of your surrender is victory. When and where we determine that we are not going to be incarcerated by a habit or a sin or a hurt or a past or even our own pride. You hear me? Are you hearing this word today? Just on the other side of your pride. Just on the other side of of that that thing that just has, that you've been holding on to and now it's holding on to you more than that. Just on the other side of that is your victory. Just on the other side of that recognition of laying it down, that place that we realize that God's grace is sufficient and his will for our life is more important than the way we feel or the thing that we want. His will is the most important thing if we just lay it down. But I wanna hold on to that, I wanna hold on to that rod. I want to hold on to that thing that's securing me. I want to hold, I want to remember what they said to me. You remember what they said to me, don't you? I've had, I've had people ask me that so many times. I do well to remember what I ate last night. I've had so many people ask me, you remember what they said, don't you? No, I don't. You remember what they did? Nope, forgot it yesterday. Why? Because we serve a God that says their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. You can hold on to it to the very last breath in your body, but the truth of the matter is you can lay it down today and it doesn't have to be the weight anymore that sways your walk in God. I'm not trying to justify a wrong that somebody did to you. I'm not saying that it was, that it was right, they were right, or what they said was right, or what they looked at, how they looked at you was right, or, or, or that anything, the injustice. I'm not trying to justify that, but can I tell you, that's not a weight that you need to carry. If they never come to you and ask for forgiveness, you need to give that forgiveness anyway. If they never knock on your day, door and say, I was wrong and I'm sorry, you need to be already at the doorknob, uh, looking out that door in freedom, knowing that there's nothing in your heart that you're gonna hold against anybody or anything because you wanna make it to heaven. Yeah. Lay it down. Amen. Lay the sin down. Lay the weight down. No hurt, no feeling, or any offense, or any sin, or any sickness, or any pain is greater than the blood of Jesus Christ. You know that? Ah. Uh, no feeling in our heart is greater. No. Well, and I, I recognize that we live in a culture and a time. I'm almost done. Matter of fact, musicians, why don't you come and we'll just finish up here together. I know we, we live in a time that, that it's just, we're just jaded and we're, we got this plate of armor on that, that we don't want to show a humility, first of all. Uh, but we, we don't want to show any kind of weakness or we don't want to admit we're wrong because after all, we're all right and and, and so we build up these barriers in front of us. But well, the truth of the matter is, it's not worth going to hell for. Amen. I'm pleading with somebody in the Holy Ghost today. Whatever that weight is in your life, be it a sin, be it a habit, be it a haunt, be it somebody or something, just lay it down. Walk on. No hurt, no feeling is worth it. And we're not a victim to the sin that defeats us. If you failed this last week, can I tell you, his grace is still sufficient today. If you failed, his blood is still reaching to you today. If you made a mistake, don't wallow in that pity of self. Get up, walk on, and come back to Jesus. That sin cannot defeat us. The weight that tries to weary us, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Saul thought everybody, stick with me here now. I'm almost done. Saul thought everyone was against him. Do you know that? Anybody ever felt that way? Huh? Anybody over here on the right ever felt that way? You ever walked in a room and walked out of the room and thought, did you see the way they were looking at me? And they weren't even looking at you. 
Everybody on the left? Saul thought everyone was against him and wanted them to feel sorry for him, but that was not and never is the answer. I'm gonna repeat that. Getting people to feel sorry for you is not and never is the answer. It was not their problem. He needed to lay it aside. The word said that all his servants were standing about him. We read it a moment ago. The spears, the the spear held its sway on those standing near. Were they gonna disagree with him? No, because they had seen him take aim at a David before. But can I tell you today, the unsurrendered areas of our life don't just weigh us down. They get heavy in the lives of others around us that are affected by them. We need to lay it down for them too. Saul sat in the midst of them and held the spear and they didn't say a word back. Why? Because they were afraid of it. Come on. If people are fearing you and fearing your life or feeling the fear and the offenses in your life, you need to lay that down, not just for yourself, but for them too, because you want to help them live and breathe again. Amen. Amen. That's what we have to do. Not try to find comfort in our misery, not try to keep holding on to a spear that will in time destroy us. We just need to give it to Jesus and and let his will be done. It was later on in the word. I'm not going to read it right now, but it was later on in the word at the end of the life of Saul that a messenger came back to David and David began to inquire about Saul and Jonathan and all the sons of Saul. And the messenger said to, to David, he said, I seen Saul and uh, the chariots were, were hard after him. They were in pursuit and he was leaning on his spear. The thing that we allow to be the weight in our life can be the thing that ultimately we learn to lean on and ultimately destroy us when we just really need to lean on Jesus. That's the call today. That's what he's asking of you. He's asking somebody in this place. I, I believe it with all my heart. He's asking you to lay your fear down. He's asking you to lay your hurt down, your offense, your sin, your feelings, the unforgiveness. He's asking you to to let it stop weighing you down, stop carrying that thing that is keeping you from his will, keeping you from being free. God wants to save you from it. He wants to save you, period, but God wants to save you from it. Because can I tell you, it's the will of God that you enjoy the journey. It's the will of God that you are joyful. It's the will of God that you are joyful from here to there. So not only does he want to save your soul, I want you to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Spirit today. He wants to save you from it. So would you do that right now all over this place as we stand? Would you lift your hands and your hearts and would you just begin to surrender whatever it is as you begin to walk to this altar? Come on, all of us together. Everybody carries something. Everybody deals with something. Everybody deals with something in their life that, that seems to be the weight that can become the sin that ultimately sways us in our walk and it moves us. Come on. Somebody pray with me now as they begin to sing. Thank you, God. I pray this in your name, Jesus. I pray this word in your name, God. Help us to lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easy.